Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to worship with us on this on this Palm Sunday weekend as we continue to go into God's Word and and uh, go ahead and get out your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of John chapter 18, the book of John chapter 18. Before we dive in, I want to give some shout outs to our groups, our tribes. Come on. If you are a group leader, thank you. If you are in a tribe, if you're in a group, just want to say that you guys are absolutely being the church. And we're getting all kinds of reports. We're going to, uh, they're going to throw some pictures up on the screen behind me. And these are just a representation. We've got, we got uh, a jam session that's, ha- uh, that's happening over a Zoom call, and so band members are getting together, and they're playing online together, and then uh, we've got Kai Alpha on the other side of the screen. Kai Alpha in Davidson is meeting online, and then we've got a men's group that's meeting, and, and, and there's, all kinds of, there's all kinds of tools, and I'm just, I'm so thankful for all, all of our groups, and just because, just because we're isolated doesn't mean we have to be alone. Come on, can you say amen to that, and, and we want to encourage you, if you're not in a group this is a great time to get in a group. They're going to throw the link up there in the in the chat uh, in, in that section. We want to encourage you to find a tribe, find people you love, and connect with them. I want to I want to um, preach a message. Uh, it's a it's a different title, and it's a different title for a Palm Sunday. But I want I want to preach about the Brook Kidron. And, 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 so, and so you may be saying, Pastor, why are you, uh, why are you still standing? Why are you still on the, on the platform? Like, like why, are you still, why, why are you still getting excited? Pastor, why, why are you still shouting? And, and I would say a couple of things. Um, here's the first thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I misled you in any way. I'm sorry if you thought that I was shouting because there was an audience in front of me. I I mean, don't get me wrong. I love you, I miss you, and I want you back. And it's a lot more fun when we're all together. But I promise you, I'm not shouting because of you. I'm shouting because of Jesus. And so I need somebody just to shout with me right now. I I know I can't hear you, but go ahead and shout in the comments. Come on, somebody say amen. Somebody put a somebody put a big old bold amen in those comments. Somebody shout hallelujah in the comments. Somebody say let's go in the comments. Come on, I need I need us all to get involved in this together. And and then you say, well, Pastor, don't you don't you get it? We're in we're in our living room and and it's just more of a it's more of a chill vibe in our living room. No, it's not. I've seen you in your living room. I've seen you in your living room watching a football game, standing and yelling at that television screen like the referee or the coach can hear you on the other side. I've seen that. I've seen that in operation, and I can promise you that the coach can't hear you. I know that the play that you called was better than the one that the offensive coordinator called, but that coach can't hear you. But I tell you that we serve a God that he can hear you. He can still hear you. Come on, you can put amen for that. You can say that's good. 
I can't see it, but I can feel it. And we're going to preach this sermon together, this, this sermon called The Brook Kidron. So here on this Palm Sunday, as we head into Easter, you've got this scene, and, and Jesus makes the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. By now, Jesus' popularity is, is growing. His, his miracles and the stories about the miracles are spreading. He has just raised Lazarus from the dead, and so people are really intrigued about all of that. And Jesus sends his disciples, and they go out, and they, they get a colt, and Jesus gets on that colt, and he, he crosses he crosses a brook called the Brook Kidron. See, there's the Kidron Valley. If you were in Jerusalem, even today, you could go to the Kidron Valley. See, there's the, there's the temple and the temple, the, the, the eastern wall of the temple, and then you would go down a little hill into the Kidron Valley, and there was a brook. Now, that brook isn't there today. That brook has been filled in and, and diverted through construction projects through the centuries and that sort of thing. But if you excav excavate that, uh, that land and go down several feet, they can, they can see that there used to be a brook that would run through there, the brook Kidron. Kidron. And then on the other side of the brook Kidron is a garden. It's the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's the Mount of Olives. And we'll get to that all in a moment. But Jesus comes in. He's riding. The king is entering into the city. I mean, picture this. For centuries, people have been anticipating. Man, is this is this the Savior? Is this the one that the prophet Isaiah talked about? Is this the one that all of the, all of the, the stories that we've heard about, could this really be Jesus? And he's riding into the city and people are anticipating. They take off their, their cloaks and they're waving palm branches and they're, they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But as quickly as they shout praise, the crowd begins to turn against him. And I want to take us now to John chapter 18, verse 1. And, and it says this, that when Jesus had spoken these words, so Jesus went into the city, he taught for, for a couple of weeks in the city. A lot of the book of John is that teaching of Jesus in Jerusalem between his triumphal entry and between this verse that I'm going to read. But then John records the words of Jesus that says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Now, we're going to hit pause on that story for just a moment, and we're going to go back to another story about another king. This was centuries earlier, and his name was King David. You may recognize that name. Maybe you're joining us, and you're just checking out this church thing. They're like, man, I, I, I don't know. Somebody sent me a link on Facebook. I don't know what this is all about. Well, you may recognize King David from the story of David and Goliath. So uh, David, that, that little boy, that teenager who threw that stone and beat Goliath, became the king of this nation of Israel. 
And, and so King David, King David was coronated king, and there was a celebration, and there was peace in the city, and there was unity in the city, and the city was, the nation of Israel was expanding, and there was building projects, and, and the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the tangible presence of God, like we talked about earlier, that was, that was brought back into the city, and so there was feasting, and, and there was rejoicing, and there was children playing on the streets, and it was one of the, one of the best times that this nation had ever seen was when King David was king. But as great of a person as King David was, and he was, in fact, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. King David had a dark side to him. I think you'll find that as you read through scripture that the people that God uses are far from perfect. They are deeply, deeply flawed. And I'm just thankful, and I want to remind you that God still uses deeply flawed people, and that includes me, and that includes you. Come on, look at somebody in your living room and tell them you're deeply flawed, and then say, so am I. So am I. We are all, we are a deeply, if you, if you are watching this, if you're watching a church service for the first time in, in months or in years, welcome. Because if you're deeply flawed, so are, so are the rest of us and so is everybody that God chooses to love and God chooses to use. You're in exactly the right place. So David's flaws were some biggies. Well, at least ones that we would call biggies. He committed adultery actually uh, vicariously committed murder, set somebody up to, to be killed. I mean, this is, and so his family, his family was a mess. And there were three children. David had many other uh, uh, sons and daughters, but there were three children that I want to draw your attention to in this story. There was Amnon. Amnon was the firstborn son, and his mother was a Hinnom. And then there was Tamar, the daughter of Mecca, and Absalom, her younger brother, that was the third son, and he was also born to make us. You have Amnon and Tamar, Tamar and Absalom. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, the story just keeps getting weirder. So Amnon fell in love with his half-sister Tamar. I know it's weird. And, and, and so there was this whole thing going on and, and, and this whole story unfolds and Absar, Ab, Amnon actually goes in and tricks Tamar and goes in and violates his half-sister. And as you can imagine, Absal, Absalom hears about this and Absalom is furious, but he doesn't do anything about it. And the Bible says that David, King David, knew about this, but David didn't do anything about it either. Can I just can I just say this to somebody that ignoring relational conflict doesn't make it go away? And some of us have been ignoring relational conflict for too long, and now we're quarantined in the same house with the people, that there's a little tension, and it's gone under the surface for too long, and you've buried that tension by the hours that you've spent at work. You've buried that tension by being in different locations, and now you're in the same location, and that tension is coming to the surface. I'm telling somebody, stop ignoring that tension. Stop. You're in the same house, but you're not, but you're on different devices in different rooms. Some of you need to have a coffee together. 
You need, to, you need to talk this out. Come on, you don't waste a crisis. Use this. Don't ignore relational tension. Use it not to drive you apart, but to bring you together. God wants to bring a husband and a wife together, and I see you stronger. I see you coming out of this season stronger. Your marriage is going to be stronger on the other side of this than it's ever been, and you're going to be a testimony to the healing power of God. I see dads reconciling with daughters and sons reconciling with mothers and and fit because we're forced to but it's not just going to happen accidentally you got to do it on purpose so there's this mess there's this family mess and y'all this goes on for years uh absalom absalom then he goes away he leaves and he goes and stays with his uh grandfather in geshem who that was his grandfather on his mother's side because his grandfather was the king of geshem so so he goes there and and he's out of the city and there's all this tension between absalom and david and and they're not even talking and, and there's this disaster between amnon and tamar going on and then absalom comes back in the city and he and david he and david he and his dad finally meet but they don't reconcile. You know, it's kind of that conversation where you just kind of gloss over the issues, but you don't really dive into the underlying thing that's causing all of this. And, and so they just have that conversation. And, Am, and then Absalom goes away for another, another couple of years. And then finally, here, here's what Absalom does. He throws a feast and he calls all his brothers, he calls all his sisters there, and it's a setup. It's a setup, and Absalom has Amnon killed. And so now you have murder in the family. You've got incest in the family. You've got rape. I mean, it's a, this is crazy, right? This is, this is the man after God's own heart. This is, his, this is his family. Listen, can I encourage some parent out there that had a blow up with their kids because you homeschooled them all week and you're not a teacher and now you realize that? Can I encourage you just because you had a moment that's a mess? doesn't mean that God's not done with your family. Come on, somebody say a good amen to that. But David's dealing with all of this. And, and so Absalom, Absalom comes back into the city. And here's what he starts doing. Absalom starts waking up early in the morning and going down to the city gates. And there's all these people that are kind of, kind of, uh, they've got problems and they've got challenges and they, well, they like King David, but they got a little bit of a grievance because not everybody likes the leader all the time, right? And, and if you've got something wrong with your life, then it's easy, it's easier to blame the person in charge, right? Like, let's blame government or let's blame, let's blame the boss instead of looking into our own hearts and into our own lives. And, and they would walk by this gate and they would start complaining. And here's what Absalom did. Absalom started coddling those conversations. He started entertaining conversations against leadership and, and saying, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so, if I was in charge, if I was, and he started, and watch this. If you are ever entertaining conversations that are negative against leadership and you coddle them instead of confront them, that is an Absalom spirit. It's a spirit of rebellion, and God's not anywhere near it, and God can't bless it. So Absalom started, oh, oh, oh. And you say, you say, well, I don't under, Pastor, I don't understand why people, people just dump on me. 
They just dump about, they gossip to me. No, why are you standing by the gate? It takes one time for you to stand up and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we're not going to have that conversation. It takes one time for you to stand up and turn them away and direct them. If you have a problem with King David, you need to talk to King David. But Absalom started hosting all of these conversations and he started, he started winning the hearts in a rebellious way. He started winning the hearts of, of betrayal. And here's the king's, this is, this is the king's son because betrayal doesn't come by somebody that you don't even know who the friend is. Like your friends on Facebook, but you don't even know them and you don't know how you became friends. You follow them on Instagram, but you've never seen them. No, that betrayal doesn't hurt. Betrayal that hurts is when you're close. And so Absalom begins the spirit of rebellion and this spirit of betrayal. And, and David, David realizes this. He realizes that his son is about to usurp him and, and step up on the throne and say, Pastor, what does this story have to do with the story of Jesus? I'm so glad you asked because I want you to, I want you to go to 2 Samuel 15 and I want you to, to, to look at this verse, and here's the scenario, the true king, the true king that was once celebrated, the true king that there was peace in the land, the true king that there was joy, the true king that under his leadership was righteousness and, and justice and, and peace and children were flourishing. The true king has to abandon his throne. And in verse 23, it says, all the land wept aloud. As the people passed by and the king crossed the brook, do you see it? He crossed the brook Kidron toward the will. The true king is now banished. And I, I, I want you to see what's, what's going on because this is a moment, this is a moment of betrayal. And this is a moment of banishment. And this is a moment not only is the true king betrayed and he has to leave the city and cross the brook, Kidron. And by the way, that wilderness, you know where that was? It was Gethsemane. You know that where that was? It was the Mount of Olives. It was the same path that Jesus took. And so there's betrayal and there's banishment. And then there's a curse. There's a curse, but there, there, there's this person, Shemaiah, in 2 Samuel 16, 15, that goes up and, and starts hurling rocks at King David, hurling insults at King David and saying, you're not, you're not, you're, you messed up, get, get out of here. And ban and these curses are upon him. And then all of Jerusalem is living a second-rate lifestyle because an imposter, an imposter has been on the throne. But I, but I want you to notice this. I, I want you to notice that even though David has been banished, I, I, I noticed a couple of things. I noticed, I noticed even, even in the wilderness, even in the wilderness, number one, there's a remnant in the city. 
there's a remnant in the city. And so even when David was banished, banished, the Lord set up this guy by the name of Hushai. And Hushai was sent to frustrate the counsel of Absalom. I'm telling you, don't give up. I'm telling you, don't give up on our government. I promise you, there's a remnant in our government. Don't give up on our nation. There's a remnant. Every time it looks like the true king has been banished, there is a remnant that's praying. There's a remnant that's fasting. There's a remnant that's worshiping. Come on, remnant. Come on, rise up, remnant. I need the church to rise up and say, even though it looks bleak, and even though it looks dark, and even though the situation looks dire. I'm going to rise up as a remnant. I call out the holy remnant right now. There's some hushas that are going to frustrate the council. And then I need you to know that even though you may feel like even though you may have just got the layoff notice from your job and you feel like you're banished to the wilderness, there's provision in the wilderness. In 2 Samuel 16, 1 through 4, this person named Ziba comes rushing to King David. And Ziba has fig cakes. And Ziba has, has wine. And Ziba has bread. And Ziba, Ziba has provision. I'm telling you, God is your provider. Your job is not your provider. Your employer is not your provider. The government's not your provider. I'm thankful for all of those things. And I realize the loss is real. I realize the fear is real. I realize the pain is real. I realize the anxiety and that lump in your chest is real, but that is not your provider. God is your provider. God's going to send a Zeba to you. He's going to send a Zeba to you. He's going to send provision to you. I pray that spirit of Zeba over somebody, over a business in the name of Jesus. God, send a Zeba to that business. God, send a Zeba to a family that doesn't know where their groceries are going to come from. Send a Zeba. And by the way, if that's you, would you let us know? Because we've got ministries. We've got Dream Center Ministries and Cornerfield Market that can help. We want, we want to be a Zeba. See, some of us need a Zeba. Some of us can be a Zeba. Come on, look, look out, look out for somebody. Go, if you got some extra cash right now, if you own a business that's blowing and going right now, I want you to, I want you to go. Uh, now, don't do this all the time because Dave Ramsey would get mad at you. But go order takeout every night this week and tip somebody like crazy. Like, like let's 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 be a Zeba during this season, and then. And then here's what you got to know, too. If you feel banished in the wilderness, God always provides a remnant. And he always provides provision. And he always provides the strength that you need that you didn't even realize that you had. And so what you got to know about King David is that See, one of the phrases that you hear now is something like this, right? Hey, we've, we've never been here before. We've never been in this situation before. Can you imagine David saying that? I've never been here. I've never had a son rebel against me. I've never been banished from the throne before. I've never been here before. And that's kind of right, but it's kind of wrong. David had never been there before, but he'd been there before. 
He'd been there before. He was there before when the king of Israel was Saul and when Saul was after him and trying to kill him. And David had to run for his life. And David went into caves and he went into hiding. But you know what God did in David's life when he went into hiding? God brought all of the mighty men and the warriors. God began to do things and bring provision to David while he was in the cave. Oh my goodness, somebody's going to get this. He began to provide provision to David while he was in the cave that David needed this provision while he was banished in the wilderness. I'm telling you, you have strength that you don't know you had. You've never been here before, but you've been there before. And I need somebody to go back and draw some strength. I'm telling you, the well is deeper than you think it is. It's like, it's like when I'm riding, when I'm riding the four-wheeler in the woods and I run out of gas. Here's the thing. Most of the time, I don't have to get off the four-wheeler and walk back up. Most of the time, what I do is I just go down and I flip a switch onto the reserve tank. See, some of, some of you, here's what you need to do. Doug, I'm all out. I'm all out of joy. I'm all out of peace. No, you got a reserve tank. You've got a reserve tank. I need somebody to access their reserve tank. God didn't bring you into this situation and into this position that he didn't provide you the resources in the last season that you're going to need in this season. I need somebody to flip the switch right now and access their reserve tank of peace. Access their reserve tank of prayer. Access their reserve tank of joy. Come on, somebody in the comments. I need need you to type, I got reserves. I got reserves. I got reserves that the devil doesn't know about. Your reserves are going to last you. God's prepared you. You don't feel like it, but God, I'm telling you, I feel the Spirit of God in this place. I feel the Spirit of God reminding you that you got reserves in the name of Jesus. And so David is provided for in the wilderness, but that wasn't God's ultimate plan. And I won't go into this whole story. You can go back and, and, and read it this week, 2 Samuel. It's a long, long story. It takes up, you know, multiple chapters in there. But God's always got a plan. It looked on the outside, it looked like David was done. It looked like he was gonna live in the wilderness the rest of his life, but God was working behind the scenes and there was a battle and God frustrated the plans of the enemy and provided for David and there was a battle and those warriors, those same warriors that came to David in the cave fought for his victory in the wilderness. Those same warriors that ran to David during that, that past season of difficulty, David called, he called up those reserves and they won the battle. And Absalom was slain. 
And then one of my new favorite scriptures. I know I always got a favorite scripture, but this is, this is a new one. My favorite scripture is in 2 Samuel 19, 14 through 15. And it simply says this. It says, return, return. So the king came back. Can you imagine that day in Jerusalem? Can you imagine that day? And can I tell you that that the same way he went out is the same way he came in? And he crosses over the brook Kidron. Can can you imagine that? And he he walks back in. He walks back in. And can you imagine the joy in the city? People that were living in fear are now now clapping their hands. People that were living with with what's going to become of us are, are rejoicing. Can you imagine the joy and the celebration when David went out? Across the brook of Kidron, it was morning, but when he comes back, there's rejoicing. When he, when he went out, there was weeping, but when he comes back, there's, there's celebration. And let's go back to our story of Jesus. What happens to Jesus when he crosses the brook Kidron? What happens in the garden? This is going to sound familiar. Think, of, think about it. Think of Jesus. Think, think of this. If you've heard this story around Easter, think of what happens. So the true king, Jesus, is banished. He walks across the brook Kidron into, into where? Into Gethsemane. What happens in Gethsemane? Betrayal. Do you remember where Judas comes and gives Jesus the kiss of betrayal? Is across the brook Kidron in Gethsemane. What happens? It's the banishment of the true king. What happens after Gethsemane is they begin to curse Jesus and hurl insults at him. They crucify him and they put our Lord and our Savior up on that cross and they they mock him. And, And for a moment, For a moment when the sky turns black, for for a moment when, when when that sword is pierced into his side and blood and water float, it looks like on the outside that an imposter king has set up and it looks like hope is gone and it looks like all the peace is gone and it looks like all the joy is gone and it looks like the world is never going to be the same again but but here's the thing that we got to always remember as that that is not how it ended that Jesus rose from the grave, that he came bursting out of the tomb, that, that he's up in heaven right now, the right hand of the, of the Father. But here's, here's the thing that I want you to catch on this Palm Sunday, is that the triumphal entry across the brook Kidron was prophetic, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's going to happen again. Because do, do, do you remember? Go, but let's go back to the beginning now. Do you remember your geography? I taught you this. I taught you a little geography. Where is the Brook Kidron? It borders the eastern wall of the temple. 
And if you, if you research and you look in the book of Revelation, how Jesus is going to return, how Jesus is going to come back, how he's going to set all of this right, where does he return? He returns to the eastern wall of the temple. And so that means that Jesus, one more time, is going to have to cross the brook of Kidron. He went out cursed, but he's coming back blessed. He went out, they were mocking him, but he's coming out, he's coming back in power. He went out as the lamb who was slain, but he's coming back as a roaring lion so so here's what I here's what I need you to do hold on here's what I need you to do I need everybody to hop up on your on their feet and I need you to do what the early church did now I don't want you to do the whole thing because uh, they died and were buried and this is how they were buried I don't want you to do that part you got a lot of good years left in you in Jesus name but but did you know that in the early church when they buried when they buried their dead, you know how they buried them? They buried them with their feet pointing east because they wanted, when Jesus came back, they just wanted to spring up and go. And here's what I want you to do. Come on, everybody, everybody standing. I'll wait. Stand, 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 stand. Go ahead. I know that blanket's comfortable. Throw that blanket off. Stand up, stand up. I need you to stand up and I need you to face east. Go, go ahead, I know, I know if there's four people in your family, you're facing four different ways. Go ahead and argue for a little bit, but there is a true east. And it just so happens, thankfully, that this is, I'm facing east in the CFA Concord Auditorium. Come on, fa face east. Think, where's the sunrise? Let's fa face east. Come on, you should be facing east by now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Because I know it feels right now like banishment. I know it feels anxious. I know it feels fearful. But I promise you in the name of Jesus, church, this is not a fairy tale. This is not, a, this is not just a story. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to come back from the east. And he's coming back in glory. And he's coming back in power. And sickness, gone. Disease, gone. Sin, gone. Hurt, gone. Worry, gone. Anxiety, gone. Peace is there. Joy is there. Come on, I need you to lift your hands. Lift your hands and get ready for the return of the king. He's coming back. He's coming back in Jesus' name. Let me bless you. If you haven't yet made that decision, rewind this. Say yes to Jesus. We give you this opportunity. Or you can pray this prayer again right now. Just say, Jesus, turn me from sin and turn me toward you in the name of Jesus. I want to be ready for you coming back. And I bless you now. I bless you now to face east. Come on, face east. Face east. When you're, when you're fearful this week, I need you to just turn and face east. 
because your hope is coming from the east. When you're scared this week, when the boss is coming to talk to you, I need you before you walk into that office, I need you to face east because I prophesy that hope is coming from the east. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. CFA, multiply fam, keep loving Jesus and changing the world. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.